With a little more attention and guidance, animals can teach us so much. Today, we're gonna to explore our connection to the four-leggeds, the winged ones, the swimmers, the crawlers, all of the animal kingdom. Hi, I'm Cheryl Sitz, welcoming you to Exploring Possibilities, a decade of interviews sharing timeless wisdom to help you transform life from the inside out. You'll find our entire library at journeyofpossibilities.com, almost 300 episodes. And all of these stream in audio as they are released on iHeartMedia, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and popular podcast platforms. You can even watch us now as we have these chats on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. Show creator, producer Mario Rosales, and I so appreciate the time you spend with us during these shows, telling your friends about us so we continue to grow, and of course, your financial support at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Joining us in a moment, Dr. Stephen Farmer. Throughout these shows, I'm always talking about Mario Rosales' incredible technology skills, helping me launch the podcast, my website, my YouTube channel, and he can still help you with all those things. But for five years now, he's been working on a special project, and now he's finally ready to launch it. And I'm excited for him to tell you about it because they're absolutely beautiful. Tell us. Well, what I have come up with, I call it astrofractals, and that's astro, A-S-T-R-O, like astrology. And why is it an astrofractal? It's very simple because it uses your birthday, your birth time, and your numerology of your name. With that, I put it into this formula that I worked on for for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and it creates a fractal and it colors it and it gives you this beautiful portrait of you. And at first when I got it, it's like, what was it? What's it for? Well, if you meditate in front of it, take it to a ceremony, or if you just want to look at it like a piece of art, it's beautiful. You can look at it at my website at astro, A-S-T-R-O, fractals, F-R-A-C-T-A-L-S astrofractals.com, and that'll take you directly to my website. The base package is a digital picture of it, and then I have options that go higher in price for different types of things, 8x10s, tapestries, I mean, you name it, it's whatever you want. And they are beautiful, astrofractals.com. Way to go, Mario, I love it. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody's fractal looks like. And you even have famous people on there, so check them out, astrofractals.com. Dr. Stephen Farmer is a licensed psychotherapist, shamanic practitioner, the author of several books and oracle decks, and today he's going to join us to explore his latest book, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. You can find a link in the description of this show's pod uh, in the description of the show so that you can purchase a copy if you'd like. And a small affiliate gratuity comes back to us to sustain the show at no additional cost to you. I know you're going to love it as much as I did. What a great mm -hmm. compilation of stories. In addition, Dr. Farmer also does personal consultations. He offers a popular private mentoring program, and he serves on the board of the Society of Shamanic Practice. His website is Dr. Stephen Farmer, that's D-R-S-T-E-V-E-N, farmer.com. Welcome, Dr. Farmer. Well, thank you, Cheryl. It's uh, my pleasure, believe me, to be on your program. It's so nice to have you here. And I do read all the books that I get, and yours was a delight. I'm eager to jump in. But before we do, I'd really like the audience to get to know you a little bit and kind of Maybe share with us a backstory of how animals became such an important part of your life's journey. Uh, sure. Let's see. Where where should I start? I was born in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> no, 
That's too long of a story, you know, take up the whole time. Uh, <laughs> essentially, what as a uh, practicing therapist, a licensed therapist in the state of California, I've had a practice, I had, I had a psychotherapy practice for a number of years, and then through a series of events, uh, and I really believe that we're called in these directions, you know, or pulled or tagged in some way. Um, I really got uh, to the point where it was like I got the, the, the itchy feelings. There was something more. And what came my way was a book called Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner, who turns out, uh, as I got to know more about it, that he is really the one person very instrumental in bringing shamanism to contemporary society. And um, I really credit him for that. He's an ancestor in the afterlife at this point, but uh, his legacy continues on. He's trained literally thousands of us, you know, in what he calls core shamanism. Anyway, so I read that book. Uh, I took a two-day course in uh, introductory, completely introductory. And I would qualify that by saying it's not about becoming a shaman. That's not the point. That's why I hesitate uh, using that term for myself. It's shamanic practitioner. Uh, to be a shaman is not something that's an ambition. You know, <laughs> it, it is a calling. And I call to be, uh, in addition to a psychotherapist, a shamanic practitioner. Anyway, uh, Cheryl, I left that two-day course just on fire. I said, this is it. You know, I just knew that this was the next step in my own spiritual develop my own practice, my healing practice, etc. I've always been a healer teacher. It's just who I am. It's, you know, what I came here to do. The uh, way that's expressed has changed over the years, of course, and this is one of the changes. So I, uh, I remember going up to Michael, Michael Harner, who taught the course and just going, okay, what do I do next? Do I go to the three-year program? What's going on? You know, I felt like, you know, one of those cartoon characters that was talking so fast. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. So he made some suggestions for some other kind of trainings, and I did them, and I continued to do them. Um, Tibetan shamanism, uh, Huna, which is Hawaiian shamanism, Celtic shamanism, what uh, other classes through what he and his wife uh, created was the foundation for shamanic studies, you know, on death and dying, on uh, uh, get, how to receive messages from uh, the natural world, etc., out of that, I'd written some books as a therapist, one of which I read my very first book. <laughs> uh, I revi um, revived it in the 25th anniversary edition. So it's still of the four that I published back when. That one's still alive in a revised edition. But then what interestingly happened is the more I understood shamanic principles and practices, I would introduce a few here and there in my psychotherapy practice, but I realized that that was a little bit too constraining. So I actually retired the practice at some point and went full bore into shamanic healing as well as writing. So I began to uh, create or more accurately co-create books that were um, related to shamanism, but not necessarily specific. I didn't go, okay, first book out is, you know, how to be a shamanic practice. No, no, no. Sacred ceremony. You know, how you can practice that no matter what your particular spiritual or religious orientation is. And that went on to understand about power animals. And that was the next book. And then other uh, animal books or spirit animal books, more accurately, some oracle cards, Power animals, oracle cards, messages from your animal spirit guides, <laughs> oracle cards, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
I became known for that, although you know, I've expanded since into some other arenas. But uh, I still love teaching about spirit animals. So a jump to recently, um, I had done some uh, a, sem- a seminar with uh, Sacred Stories, and that's the publisher of, of this latest book. And so she approached me and said, hey, basically, I got this project that I want to do this series called the Sentience Series. And we'd like to start with you as the animal guy, spirit animal guy. And so I looked out, I thought, yeah, that sounds good to me. And the concept, this is what was, uh, as you well know, from having read the book, I appreciate that you've done that too. Oh, I loved it. Oh, good. I'm glad. It's very inspiring. I I find it very inspiring. And the people that have read it and have made comments have said uh, something similar. So what she proposed, she being Ariel is, is her name, is that she was doing this series about eight different topics. And uh, the topic she wanted me to focus on quite naturally was spirit animals. And then she went on to describe what her idea was, is that I would be the featured author. You know, I got a name, I got a reputation, etc. on that. Uh, along those lines. So yeah, it was it was a good choice, you know, on her part. But the way it's designed, Cheryl, as you well know, is I wrote the front piece, I wrote the back piece, I added a couple of my own stories, my own personal stories. But in the mid middle, and this is true of all of the books of uh, this sentient series, in the middle are stories that were submitted about how people have encountered spirit animals. The subtitle animal of the book, the book is named Animals, and then the subtitle, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. Of course, right up my alley. So I think there's, I think about 20, 25 to 27, something like that, stories in the book, just short, you know, two, three, uh, two, three, four pages stories about someone's uh, experience with a spirit animal. And I'll tell you what uh, happened after it came out. I sent one to my daughter. I have two daughters, two adult daughters, and I have like now four. We got a new one, uh, four grandchildren. (laughs) Yeah, fairly new baby, about three months old. But I sent one to my youngest daughter, and she and her 11-year-old girl would read bedtime stories from the book. And I just like, oh, great. You know, I just love to hear that. Uh, Her her daughter, my granddaughter, is named Lila Hartz Minahan. <laughs> and that's my hip, my my reincarnated hippie daughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's great, you know. And um Well, those stories would be great for that because they are, I mean, it was it was the child in me that was delighting at moving through those stories. And and you can't read other people's accounts with animals without it touching on some of your own. I mean, it becomes a personal journey too. And, and, and I just couldn't wait to get to the next tale and what happened to the next person. Yeah. And uh, as I said, I've, I've contributed a couple of very significant stories myself, um, which I'm happy to share. And yet I, I, I feel more uh, in the position of just being honored, you know, first to be the featured author which logically is, is, you know, natural, you know, of course it makes sense, but more importantly, I so honor the people that were willing to share their stories like this publicly. Right. Uh, like, uh, uh, gosh, who is it? Dr. Bernie Siegel, 
you know, yes. the author of Love, Medicine, and Miracles. I went, wow, he's in this book too. Cool. Yeah. About he and his wife going and discovering a butterfly that would follow them around after the the death of one of his uh, patients. Yes. And he just knew without knowing why, but he just knew that it was, you could say, a messenger. And that's somehow, that's sometimes how um, when we lose someone that we loved, often they send, well, I call them messengers. Um, and that was the case with uh, Dr. Siegel and his wife is this messenger that kept following around and just this connection and knowing that it, um, some people would say it actually is the, per the deceased person, but that's not my take. It's more that they have sent you this as a message. A lot of times just to say, yeah, I'm all right, I'm doing okay. And the fact that uh, the medicine of butterfly is transformation. Yes. You know, there's other elements to it, uh, other kind of meanings, other kind of messages you could get from the spirit of butterfly. But as far as a general kind of medicine, of course, you know, it's about transformation. Yes. You know, the, the process of going from a caterpillar to is amazing. And here's this beautiful light, very lithe, uh, if that's the right word, butterfly. And that was uh, sent to them by spirit, by this patient of his, to remind them that they're okay. And also, these are reminders too, things like that, uh, Cheryl. They're reminders of the m magic and the mystery you know, of the way things work like this, you know, in the, we'll call it the spiritual realm. Right. And especially when you're dealing with um, animals, animals that show up in, uh, my teaching is 25 words or less. It's really pretty simple. And that's when an animal shows up in an unusual way and though repeatedly something big is going on. You know, that animal is being a representative of the collective consciousness, if you will, of that particular animal, like an elephant, for instance. Yeah, you, you dream about elephant, it's a big dream. You go, what the heck was that about? Well, that elephant, the symbol of the elephant, which is another way they can come across, not just the physical realm, and I've got to let my puppy dog in, so forgive me. <laughs> just one second, he's scratching at the door. I have a home office, and uh, come on, let's go. Speaking, speaking of, of animal medicine, yeah, speaking, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of animals, yeah. There's your uh, loyal companion. He was definitely uh, communicating, and me being psychic, I was able to discern that the scratching <laughs> at the door was saying, I want in, I want in, and he's very persistent, as you can. So forgive me for that slight disruption, but, you know, it's still in the flow here. Anyway, so the, the symbol of the elephant shows up in a dream. What are you going to do with that? You can go, wow, that was a cool dream. Maybe that's that, you know, or you can dig a little, dig a little bit deeper. And uh, again, it's not difficult to do is, okay, what's elephant's medicine, you know, or what message is coming across? And there's certain ways that, you know, we can get to that you can discern the, the meaning or the message from that particular spirit animal. So right. One of the things that you shared in the book that I did want to discuss is that very thing, because I've worked with animal medicine for the last 10 years. I've become very aware of how connected we are with our environment. I love that you quoted uh, a, a tribe in 
was it West Africa, the leader that said that the people believe that plants are the, at the top of the hierarchy, then come animals and then come people that we think we're at the top. Maybe we can reverse that and learn something, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was I, Mel- Melodoma Somme. Yes. yes. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So I enjoyed that perspective and I have become a lot more aware of my environment, but I was not working with animal medicine fully the way you recommend in the book. So I love that you laid out, be sure to get your own information first. What does it mean for you before you even go to the the reference books and the textbooks and, and you know, Google and dig in? Yeah. Yeah. The, the way, uh, Cheryl, I would describe that again, I like it. I break it down into threes. You know, there's three ways that you can uh, decipher or discern what the message is. And again, whether the animal is symbolic, like in the elephant dream, or whether you see a coyote, you know, running across your path, you know, and that's unusual. Usually coyotes want to stay away. So, and unusual is really like beauty, they say, is in the eye of the beholder. That's true with uh, uh, animals too. Um, When you get that this is an unusual appearance, trust that, you know, wow, that's really kind of weird. You know, I haven't seen a crow around for a long time, which is kind of silly around here. We get crows. <laughs> you know, that's a good example. We get crows all the time. So I may not be drawn to pay attention to the crows, but let's suppose I'm outside sitting on a table outside, maybe having my morning coffee or something like that. And a crow flies down, you know, within about five feet from me. And they do that, you know, look, that sideways look. Okay, I'll take it. You know, that's unusual. So I want to understand that message or the message that's being conveyed to me. Um, And I'll tell you a story about a coyote. In fact, comes to mind as I mentioned coyote. But anyway, the three ways is this. One is you mentioned one already, Cheryl. One, go look it up. You know, look it up on the Internet. You know, say elephant spirit. You know, type in and uh, search or elephant spirit animal or animal spirit guide elephant, you know, any of those terms, and you'll come across some information on the internet. You know, I used it to research a lot of this book too. And uh, uh, it's a real valuable because it provides some inspiration and some possibilities. You might read, let's say there's seven different messages for an elephant showing up or a crow showing up or coyote. So you got to see one that, uh, and I'm pointing to my chest here, is one that resonates and goes, wow, okay, that's it. Because, now this is a little bit um, tricky to grab hold of, but it's not that tricky. In a very real sense, the consciousness or collective consciousness that's being represented by the symbolic image of the animal or the animal itself collaborates with your consciousness because it is about relationship and there is a magic to that yes you know let's suppose i'm faced with a particular difficult challenge in my life and i'll go back to the dream about the elephant and you go and you read oh elephant can mean this 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 loyalty sacrifice nurturing caregiving removing obstacles Oh, (laughs) there we go. Okay. So then you can actually work with that spirit, elephant spirit, in relationship to your challenge. So you call on elephant spirit. Thank you. And I always pray, almost inevitably pray thanks. Thank you, elephant spirit, for helping me, you know, overcome this obstacle. And pretty soon you learn from elephant, really wasn't an obstacle in the first place, is your perception of it. 
So that's one. The second way, and like I said, and also the books, etc. I've got a book, Animal Spirit Guide, the Pocket Guide to Spirit Animals. Uh, Ted Andrews' book, you know, Animal Speak. It's a good one. It's probably one of the first ones that came out about this. And there's others that have shown up over the last few years. So um, that's one of the three. So the thing, this the second one would be to analyze, in a sense, the characteristics of the animal. And from there, you may be able to deduce what the message is or the medicine of the animal. So elephants are big, strong. They don't, you know, if, if, if an elephant's stampeding, you don't want to stand in their way. So that makes sense. They're real caring. If there's an injured member of the community, they'll, they'll tend to that injured member. So there's those kind of attributes. Um, but they're also based on their, their characteristics. You know, they, they bellow, you know, so maybe you need to speak up a little bit more. Uh, they are huge. They don't tolerate uh, obstacles. So therefore, you can deduce from that. So that's, that's a second way is um, be able to just study the characters or look up the characteristics and you might get a clue. And sometimes you just know. The third one's what you made some reference to. And this is what I'd like everybody to get to, or at least to practice this, try this out. That is, ask the spirit animal. <laughs> One of the principles of shaman, uh, shamanic work is direct revelation. Yes. That you receive the communication directly. There's no intermediary. There's no internet. There's no books or anything like that to use when you are seeking direct revelation. So here's the, uh, in a short order, here's what it is. Okay. And again, to use these examples, crow, not a crow, the crow. Yeah, that's the rep, but crow implies the collective consciousness, what I'm calling the collective consciousness that's represented by that crow. So I go close my eyes, crow spirit, what's your message? And then once you've asked the question, this is key. You pay attention to everything that happens right after. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, inside and outside. You know, there may be the, the strangers, a couple of people walking by and they're talking and you overhear something they say and that's the message. It could be. You hear something in your inner voice and that's the message. I often get messages that way, uh, auditory and then um, sensory, you know, in my body. And typically, <clears throat> I find that, that uh, people tend to be a little stronger in one of those than the other. You know, some people are highly visual. I would put that uh, for myself. Uh, I do get visions, you know, more and more so the more I've done this work. Uh, inner eye visions or my attention uh, visually is drawn to something in the environment. Again, inside and outside. So then I pay attention to that once I've asked the question. And uh, Cheryl, the, the, the answer may come in any of those ways, or I get a feeling in my body, you know, the sensory, that's, that's legitimate, or what we call intuition. And I've, what I've done is decided on my own, <laughs> intuition is a combination of sensory, we feel as something, we talk about it that way, gut feeling, as well as cognitive meaning it then transfers or translates into a thought or a message. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
so uh, I want people to learn their primary ways of receiving messages. And you just experiment with it, you know, to see what you get. Ask, crow, what's your medicine? And the medicine may correspond to something written on the internet or in a book or something like that, or it may not. Right. Often crow's medicine, as well as raven, cousin raven, um, is uh, manifestation, the magic, you know, being able to uh, assist you in manifesting, you know, what you've set out as your intention. And uh, by the way, you can call on crow medicine anytime you want. And very likely they will show up to help you with that. So that's how you do it. I, I'm mostly, I, I call it, sometimes I call it kinesthetic, you know, the sensory, the, the sensations in the body. You know how you get prickles on the back of your neck? Right. You know, or for me, I get, I call it my fur stands up on my arm. <laughs> you know, that means something's coming through at that point. Or well, and as like, you've said, you can either wait for it to come, invite an animal to come to work with you if you're struggling with something, or it, it may show up or you may just call on it directly. And I like that, that there's so many different ways to work with animals to get yeah. assistance with what we're going through in life. And thank God for them. You know, yeah. thank God for them. And especially this, oh, it's like a a song I wrote, I called it The Magic and the Mystery, you know, and it, it really, that's one way to describe it. It's just magical. It's kind of mysterious. And some people even refer to what we call source or God or spirit as the great mystery. Yes. And that sort of does encompass that, the great mystery. We're trying to figure it out, you know, all along and come up with these things, but it's not mysterious. This is not mysterious. It's really very simple and absolutely profound. I think it's getting past our ideas that this can't be real. I, I'm, I'm just imagining this, right? There's no way that that animal just came and got within three feet of my face and hovered there or that bird or whatever. Yeah. It must be my, there, that must be a coincidence. And it's yeah, so beautiful when we stop dismissing it and go, wow, that's for me. Thank you. What's your message? Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully stated. Yes. Uh, I agree with you totally. Of course, you know, that um, and that's part of my mission, if you will, with regard to spirit animals is I always say things like, you know, uh, give it a try, be your own scientist, you know, and good science is when you try something out and find out the results, you know, and that's it. It's, it's sort of a esoteric science in a way, but it's, it has that uh, same flavor to it. And the other thing is what you said about imagination. Um, I love it when I've done classes and workshops on this. You know, we've done an exercise or something and uh, people will share and uh, somebody inevitably stands up and goes, how do I know it's not just my imagination? <laughs> and my immediate response is, well, of course it's your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you get it. Yeah. It's, it's the bridge. Yes. That alternate reality is right here, often represented in physical reality in the ways we've been talking about. And yet we've taken it a step further and saying there's something else about this physical reality that will, uh, as I learn to do this, I can receive messages from the spirits of nature. I'm looking at a tree out here, that tree spirit, you know, I can get a message from that, not just the tree, but tree spirit represented by this. That's, an, that's a key difference right there. And again, you can look at a tree and go, nice, wow, beautiful tree, and just leave it at that if you want. Or you can get a message like that. Or again, yes. dreams, you know, they're, they're, uh, if you're actively dreaming and you can remember your dreams, pay attention, especially when an animal shows up in the dream. You wake up and you go, kangaroo, 
I've never <laughs> been. I've never been to Australia, you know. But oh wait, I listened to this uh, conversation Cheryl and Stephen had. Oh, okay, maybe something to it. So let me tune in. What's the medicine of kangaroo? Right. And if you think about it, Cheryl, I don't want to put you on the spot. What do you imagine it would be just from the characteristics? I think of them as as playful. They bring me joy. So it's a joyful moving forward right. and take a leap of faith and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that resonates, right? Yeah. You know, if you think if this had been an actual experience of a dream, resonates is a great word because it implies a uh, the uh, our physical structure you know there's something that vibrates you know very yes. subtly we just pay attention to it we go oh yeah okay that makes sense take a leap you know they're playful oh i i need to bring more playfulness into my life you know that might be the message you know anything any of those might uh, qualify <laughs> qualify is not a great word for it but uh would be the message that is great spirit god is wanting to deliver to you I have to book. share since we just said playful that that's my number one blog of all time is about roly poly animal medicine. Because I was writing about the significance of animal medicine for me. And when I was growing up, roly polies, I would, I was, it was a very serious environment I grew up in. And I was an only child. And it was, there was not a lot of joy around me most of the time. And roly polies brought me joy. They'd roll all up in my hand and I'd play with them. And they were, they were, they were also about cocooning and taking care of the self, you know, when you feel threatened, but also just to play more and to have fun. So I blogged about that. I've written about all kinds of growth and trauma and holistic healing and shamanism and and what's number one roly-poly the roly-poly yeah <laughs> yeah i think people love it you know to hear stories like that you know and and uh i you know i'm a storyteller you are too i can tell you know you're a storyteller and i think we learn at a whole different level you know from stories and we learn in a different way too from what we're just talking about here being able to get a communication. Look how popular that blog is. Number one of all the ones you've written. <laughs> and here it's about, you know, you think, oh, my number one blog, you know, I'm going to go read her number one blog, you know, and, and you start reading and go, roly polies. Well, okay, let me check it out and then find out they're probably smiling, you know, after yeah. they get into the article. Uh, good for you. Good they for send you. me notes. Hey, we have roly polies. We love to play with them. And 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 mothers have written me about playing with their children more. When after they read that, they'd go and play with the roly polies with their kids. And and what a great thing if we can just remember to play. Yeah, yeah. That's why a hummingbird, for instance. That's my uh, totem. <laughs> ah, see how good I am. <laughs> you are. I'm wearing one too. So. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yep. Good. Well, let me, again, not to put you on the spot, because I got my own ideas about it, you know, that pop up about hummingbird, but what does hummingbird mean to you? You know, what you're really drawn to it. Oh, there's been so much medicine that's come through them that correlates yeah. for me around the pursuit of sugar, the sweetness of life, Good, uh, yeah. the, going so fast, but also trusting to, to be still and knowing when it's safe to be still and... And just there's been a lot for me around hummingbirds, but they're a joyful medicine for me as well. So it's it's been yeah. a great lesson for me in when to be still and when to hustle and when to pl be playful. And great, uh, I I'm so pleased to hear that. You know that you've you've hit on a lot of uh, outside of the um, close relationship you have with 
hummingbirds and hummingbird spirit is that you listed several messages and meanings, you know, for hummingbird in your life. And I'm going to segue over to um, the terms totem animal and power animal. Please. That, a lot of people would refer to that as your totem. Fine with me, no problem. But out of shamanism comes a slightly different term. Totem, first off, um, I'm fine with that. Call it your totem. You know, I... I'm not out to sell you, oh, no, it's not your totem or anything. It is. You know, to you, it's your totem. And it has a special meaning to you. Um, in the uh, power animal cards, especially, there's hummingbird. You pull up this image of hummingbird, and there's a, usually a message. Not usually. There's a message on the card itself. Guess what the message is for <laughs> hummingbird? Lighten up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lighten up, you know. And I defy anybody that just catches a hummingbird in flight to not smile. Yes. Uh, almost spontaneous, not almost, but spontaneously, you just go, oh, you know, you get a little grin on your face. Anyway, um, totem. I tend to think of totem animals as something that's shared by a group, a clan, or a community, number one. Mm -hmm. uh, we have contemporary versions of totem animals, sports teams. Think sports teams, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, Los Angeles Rams, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think they really equate it with the sacred or that this is a spirit animal that is shared by the community. I just heard a story a few weeks ago about a 12-step program. They voted on adopting a particular spirit animal as their totem. Awesome. The other one is um, over on my altar. I don't have, it's too far away to go get anything, but a statue of raven or a little ceramic. You know, that's an example, another example of a different kind of totem. So that's another meaning. The third one would be, yeah, it's a very special uh, guide that is with you and has been with you for a while, which then we go over to what power animals are. And again, that term comes from shamanism and it, they are the often were born with one. However, because of our culture, it's not fostered typically, you know, it's not acknowledged. While in, while I, whereas in many indigenous communities, that's a given. And often that name is incorporated. Dare I say, no, I don't want to share that. I don't want to share this. A friend of mine who's got a spirit animal as part of her name. So that's a, for instance, uh, Tommy uh, Wolf brother, you know, or something like that. Linda Starwolf, who's a friend, yes. a dear friend of mine. You know Linda. Yeah, We've had her on the show. Yes. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's great. I I love her. She's doing some really good work. Um, so then, power animals. Just a little different twist on that, and that's especially if you're doing shamanic work, shamanic healing of some sort. Um, you got to work with power animals, and I'll qualify that by saying you don't need to do shamanic work. You know to be associated related to a specific spirit animal that is your power animal i've also found that a lot of times the one you were born with and you forget about will start showing up in your life again and again and again and again and now we have a little more understanding and acceptance of this concept that you can uh, rightfully claim that relationship I'll give you, for instance, um, 
I was in a men's event years ago. It was a great event, you know, and it was for men to come together like that. It's just phenomenal. You know, it was a great event. One of the exercises we did was finding an animal. You know, I think that's how it was called, just finding an animal that's related to you. So we're doing this meditation. We're standing and I think dancing or moving or something like that. And when the facilitator said something like that, it might, he might have said even spirit animal. I saw snake. Mm. And I went, that's cool. I'll go with it. And so my very first, I didn't think power animal. I, I was not even started, you know, exploring shamanism. And uh, then when I did, I went, oh, okay. That That's, for me, is a spirit animal that has a particular uh, function in my life. And that is for healing, which seems ironic because you think snake, you know, poison, you know, all that. And here's here's where I go with it. And I'll, I'll just say this briefly. Um, ceremony, Apache ceremony, I think. Don't quote me on that. Uh, if someone felt the call to be what in their language would be shaman, uh, they would gather the community around a circle, put the fire on, and the person would dance around the fire. And they would throw oh, about half a dozen rattlesnakes. <laughs> yeah. Initiation. Speaking of initiation. Right. And if they were bitten and survived, they were considered a great healer. Wow. Yeah. Now, I think the initiations these days hopefully are a little bit not quite, <laughs> as, quite as testy as that. But then I ran into, um, ran into, I came across this amazing book. That it's the only one, one of the few books I've read more than once. It's called The Cosmic Serpent. I've read that. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, check it out. Jeremy Narby, you know. So there's a whole tale that goes with it. I won't go into, but it, the progression of that from understanding his premise, uh, anthropologist who studied microbiology and everything, he found so many images shamans had of uh, serpents and snakes, old in the old days, through his investigation, what he deduced is that what they were seeing, because often they would show up as intertwined yes. serpents, is they were seeing DNA. Yes. But they didn't have a reference point for it, so other than snakes. So check it out. The, uh, the subtitle DNA, excuse me, um, The Cosmic Serpent, The Origins of Knowledge. Good book. Highly recommend. Anyway, so um, meandering a little bit here, so I uh, hope that's okay. But anyway, the uh, that was my first power animal. And at the time, too, as I understood that, it's like you don't talk about your power animals. You know, that's, you know, you keep it to yourself. I was given permission to do so because of what I teach. This is what I teach. Right. So it's really important. It was okay to share personal stories about power animals. And yes, you can have more than one. And yes, they change over the years. They can change over the years. Hummingbird is still appropriate for you. You know, it works for you. She works for you or he, but she. Yes. Uh, and you have a strong developed relationship with her. Correct? Yes. And there have been others, as you say, that have come and gone. The macaw was the was what drew me to Peru and to my awakening and all of that. So I have a very special place for the years that macaw was prominent in my life. And now, not so much anymore. Roly polies still come back when I need to play. It's, <laughs> it's just fun to play with 
the animal kingdom and to realize right. that that the spirit that flows through us flows through animals flows through all that is and that's a way that we can get our messages you know it's a way to get guidance and information for a long time my spiritual practices were one direction i wasn't getting a lot of information back i was raised in a very conventional religious structure where i prayed and waited and really didn't always hear much back so to me these practices that allow me and christians can do this just as much as anybody can do this but it's practices that allow us to get answers and to get clarity and to get help and i i love that yeah and we need that today yes we need that today. <laughs> we need a lot of that today you know sp very specific and steady guidance from uh the greater wisdom that exists in the world and is expressed through these physical beings, you know, not just animals, but again, trees, plants, rocks, etc. There were days when that was like, a, in some communities still today, we're like, well, of course, you know, it's a given, of course, you know, you wake up and certain things happen, and uh, you find that you're being guided, you know, and, and even um, an example would be I was in Australia, and uh, a dear friend of mine who I've lost touch with, unfortunately, I want to look him up, uh, Jeremy. In fact, this, these two pictures right here, you can't see him if you're just listening to this, but there's a picture of, guess what, intertwined yes. DNA and another one of the rainbow serpent. Um, Jeremy uh, joined me on stage when I was doing a, a class. And somebody stood up and said, yeah, I saw a wedge tail you know, flying. And what's the wedge tail mean? And I'm leaning over to Jeremy going, Jeremy, what's a wedge tail? <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, it's an eagle. You know, it's oh. basically an eagle or of that family. And then he went on to say in this beautiful, deep voice of his, I can't come close to it, but he's, yeah, all people believe, because he's part Aboriginal. He, he found that out when he was 16 years old, you know, so you can see it in him, but it's mixed with the Caucasian as well. Our people believe that when you spot a wedge tail, it's taking someone's soul to the other side. Mm. So there is that aspect too to spirit animals, particularly the winged ones. You know, when you see that happening, maybe, you know, check it out. But the, the Aboriginals too, they call it the dreaming. You know, it's that alternate, not dream time. You know, we make that mistake sometimes calling it the dream time. But listen to the difference, dreaming. There's a flow to it. You know, there's a continual flow to the dreaming. It's always there. It's right next door. It's not somewhere off in the distance or up in the clouds or, you know, it's right here and right now. In certain ways, you can access that. And one of those ways is through these spirit animals. You begin to access that alternate reality and work with it in a way that serves so that you can go ahead and provide an even greater service to the world, whatever your purpose is. And the more you can identify that purpose, the more clearly you can act on it and honor that calling of what you're being called to do. So yeah, like you were uh, agreeing with me, absolutely. You know, there are ways that you could say God or source or great spirit or the great mystery, it doesn't matter that force, you know, that we try to come up with words to explain and give right. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, and, and struggle with that. I was just talking to a friend, this friend that was here earlier, I mentioned to you before we started. 
something he said, you know, that really grabbed hold of me here recently. The foundational purpose for any of us is to experience being. The rest is details. But the more we can touch into that basic experience of being, I think the more likely it is we can participate in this way, these ways of receiving messages, both from the physical world as well as the non-visible beings. Uh, Mother Mary, in a breathwork session, actually with Linda Starwolf, uh, surprisingly, I opened my eyes at one point during the breathwork, and there's Mother Mary. And I went, wow, she's only come to me once before, but now that's two. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, so that's a deal on spirit animals. But I love how you said the more we can practice being, because it really is, all of this is down to awareness. All the animals in the world can do everything to get our attention. But if we aren't aware, we're not receiving those messages. We're busy doing. So awareness and, and awareness comes in the being place. So that's a great wrap up for us here today. The time has flown. I knew it would. I knew it yeah, would. I'd have me back. I'll come on anytime. We'll talk about it. <laughs> We'll talk about ancestors next time. All right. You've got a deal. We've been visiting with Dr. Stephen Farmer at drstephenfarmer.com. Check out his book. It's a compilation of some fabulous stories about how animals have touched people's lives in really profound ways. And that might open you up so they can touch yours that way. It's been a pleasure having you. Let us know what you thought at journeyofpossibilities.com. We always love your feedback. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.